Welcome to Word on the Block, the series that takes a deeper dive into blockchain and the emerging technologies that shape our world at the intersection of business, politics, and economy. It's what we cover right here on Forecast News. I'm Editor-in-Chief Angie Lau. Well, we've been talking about space a lot. A lot of people are thinking about how blockchain can be integrated into mining for the resource-rich asteroids and minerals that exist in space. Well, our next guest, Brian Israel, thinks about that a lot too. He's currently a lecturer at UC Berkeley Law on space law and blockchain, but formerly he was co-founder of Consensus Space, a subsidiary of Consensus that was acquired, uh, that acquired rather, planetary resources, uh, a company, a blockchain uh, based company that looked at using blockchain as uh, the world looked to space to mine raw materials. And Brian Israel joins me right now. Uh, Brian, welcome. It's great to see you. Thanks so much, Angie. Pleasure to be here. What should we be thinking about when we look to the stars? Uh, it really truly is the final frontier. It is the future. What is in our future right now? Well, I, I think deeper exploration of our, our solar system and even human settlement of, of the moon and planets like Mars is in our future, but really space is um, ever present in our present as well in ways that we probably uh, don't take for granted and don't think about as we rely on an ever increasing uh, range of, of services. Um, from, from, from GPS uh, to you know, weather forecasting um, to the, the pretty imagery in uh, Google Maps and the like. Um, and those services are growing. Um, and uh, you, you may have seen headlines that uh, Elon Musk company SpaceX is fielding um, a so-called mega constellation of satellites in low Earth orbit to provide broadband internet. Uh, Amazon uh, has, has a rival uh, uh, constellation to provide um, uh, broadband internet. Um, and uh, which, which, which will be great uh, as, as far as sort of blanketing every square inch of earth uh, in, in internet, um, but also uh, creates challenges as um, you know, space is, is large, uh, maybe infinitely large, but the area around uh, earth where uh, these satellites can provide useful services um, is, is relatively limited. Um, and so it's, it's, it's an exciting time in space because we are seeing new applications and new entrants, new kinds of actors. Um, whereas it, you know, at the dawn of the space age, it was the province of governments and really two superpowers. Um, there are many more governments involved. There are many more companies and universities and, and non-governmental players um, from, from an increasingly diverse range of countries uh, that, that are involved, uh, which, which is wonderful. And so there's, there's this new dynamism. Um, of course, it creates governance challenges as well. Um, and really, I think the, the, the most fundamental of them is, well, there, there, is, there is this space in which there is no sovereign who is in, you know, in charge of space. And so how do you get a single set of rules of the road uh, for all these satellites moving at you know, 17,000 miles an hour, approximately, you know, um, around Earth? Um, and that becomes uh, qu quite a challenge. And so then what is the role of blockchain here? Well, I think the, I think it's really a question about the, the, the roles of blockchain. Um, and I think a lot of them are, um, like, like many applications of blockchain, are, are theoretical at, at this moment um, and are, are really just starting to, to take hold. So, so there's the you know, traditional intuitive um, sort of applications of you can, um, what blockchain does well, 
you know, in terrestrial economies, um, it could do well in, in aerospace for things like um, uh, so, so supply chain integrity and, and things like that. Um, personally, where, where I think it, it adds um, something new, a, a capability that's not just marginally better, um, but entirely, you know, impossible before, um, is in enabling uh, what I think of as, as um, private ordering among operators in space, allowing uh, operators to enter into private contracts um, to, to make enforceable commitments around, um, with each other in ways that was uh, difficult, bordering on, you know, unworkable before. And I think that, that um, uh, particularly as uh, it becomes increasingly uh, difficult for sort of the, the top-down approach to governance of, of working everything out um, on the international plane, having governments extend these rules out to private operators, uh, doesn't scale very well uh, to the present diversity and number of spacecraft operators. Um, I think there there is um, a lot of demand for a, a sort of governance technology to allow these operators to make enforceable commitments to do the things that they 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 know are in their all in their their common interest, um, and, and I, I I see smart contracts as um, providing those opportunities. Maybe not immediately right now. I, I think there's um, as as anyone who works with the technology uh, knows it, it has has great promise and uh, can can be uh, clunky in its, its present implementation, but you can see the the, the arc, or at least I can. No, I, I, I do too, in that, you know, you take a look at the mess that that's Earth right now. We have COVID, we have geopolitical tensions, we have U.S.-China uh, trade disputes that have, have, you know, extended beyond uh, and into now technology. And, and there's just a lot of territorial rights, trade disputes, and things like that. In space, it truly is a non-sovereign entity, as you said, everybody is there. Governments alongside private enterprise are in space. And so then how do we tie back down to how we want to do business with each other and to play fair? Essentially, that's what the rules uh, are that we're trying to create. Um, it's interesting to hear that blockchain, at least in terms of smart contracts, can can tie back the relationship, at least the, the business relationship between two parties, back down to earth so that everybody you know, plays by the same rules, essentially. Yeah, I, th I think one way that, um, uh, one dimension of, of, of blockchain that I think is, is transformative uh, really uh, comes into focus if you think about what's hard about sort of traditional legal contracts um, when you have say parties from a dozen, two dozen different countries. Of course, um, a contract is, it has value. It's, it's enforceable because the legal system of a nation state will enforce it. Um, and when you have you know, parties from many, many countries, it becomes very difficult, sometimes impossible um, to find, to, to agree on, well, whose country's legal system is going to you know, have jurisdiction over this contract and enforce it. Um, and, it, and it introduces all, all manner of business risk and uncertainty, um, whereas it, smart contracts uh, dispense with, with that. Um, you know, the, 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 the rules and the consequences are, are hard-coded. So you, you, yeah. you don't have to worry what a foreign court is going to do. You, you, can, you can look at the, um, 
at, at, at the source code and have a pretty good understanding of what will happen. Um, of course, you can you can code it. You know, you 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 can make the wrong um, kind of arrangement. You can fail to foresee something that you wish we would have foreseen. Um, but but it but it removes that that level of risk. It introduces other uh, hiccups as, as as well. Yeah. Hiccups like what? Well, um, for, for for one, I mean, um, I, I think smart contracts work best uh, for um, commitments that are relatively objective. Um, and objectively, you know, verifiable, which is not everything. Um, I do, I, I personally see a value in using smart contracts um, in, in, in a hybrid way uh, to uh, use um, uh, arbitrators as, as an oracle, to have uh, human arbitrators in the loop, mm. in, in the oracle loop. Um, and, and then you still have the value of um, the sort of automaticity of enforcement of smart contracts. Uh, where you're not having to then uh, go into uh, you know the 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 court of that has jurisdiction over the party you just want a judgment against and sort of enforce against assets um, the, the this transfer of value is automatic for that to work though I at least as far as maybe there's a limit of my imagination but as, at least as far as I know um, that would require you know all the parties to a contract to basically lock up a substantial amount of value in the contract as a sort of escrow um, yeah an escrow. And, that that might not be you know commercially that palatable, uh, uh, you know if if the the parties aren't used to doing that um, in, in in their regular course of business, and or you know that might be a tough thing to do if it's about future earnings or future income. Um, so so this is really fascinating. What I'm hearing is that you could actually source code what essentially is terms and conditions of a contract and that the flow of money can transfer or goods and services can transfer between two companies if, if A, then B. So if A, goods are delivered, then B, payment is made. Um, but the hiccup, as you said, is, you know, that's, that's easy when you are talking about uh, when planetary mining, for example, uh, how much of this specific raw material was actually mined and then delivered to a location. Okay, so that's very binary. It's very clear. Uh, but, you know, the hiccups come when, well, I'll say I'll do something and then the, the shades of gray. Well, I did that, but you didn't do it the way that I, exactly that I wanted it to do it. And then there's, there's, there's stuff like that. But in space right now, we're, we're still working on, on what is still fairly binary. But what, what are the... What are the applications, the hiccups that you see um, that, that, that's occurring in space that, that would be fascinating to understand? Well, so, so I, I think the, the example you gave is, is, a, is, a, is a great straightforward example of if you, if you sort of um, put on your science fiction hat or, or at least gaze uh, a, a little bit into the future and imagine you know, a, a, a whole sort of supply chain based on celestial body resources. Um, and so, and so that's, that's, that's sort of easy to envision, especially if, you know, transactions are sort of negotiated between robots, you know, one and a half times the distance between the earth and the sun from, you know, from, from, from earth, um, where there's a long sort of delay in communications um, that um, you, you can see the advantage of the smart contracts there. Um, but I've also been thinking more in terms of uh, can they, uh, can smart contracts, or at least as the technology matures, enable, say, satellite operators um, to make enforceable commitments to each other um, 
almost to self-regulate. And so as a, um, you know, as, as, as a thought experiment, um, you know, consider that uh, a critical mass of the world's satellite operators um, understand that it's in their sort of rational long-term business interest um, to adopt a certain measure um, on the disposal of their satellites at the end of their mission so that this is so they don't become debris they don't, don't become junk um, right. uh, and, and and they don't um, sort of limit the long-term usability of, of the of these orbits um, so that that measure costs money uh, it, it takes fuel to bring a satellite down it takes you know um, it's, it's more expensive to design and build a satellite to have that capability um, and so if for for an operator to to, to do that um, it will be a competitive disadvantage if its competitors don't do that and so it's it's a class of collective action problem and the traditional um, you know way for the operators to solve that collective action problem in this um, admittedly simple thought experiment uh, would be to lobby their governments to say you know this is the rule we want please enact it uh, to, to negotiate a treaty on the international plane and then the governments that that are party to that treaty would adopt national legislation and regulation that would yeah. make i mean you're talking about the equivalent of carbon emissions right now the problem of carbon emissions in in on earth well well well, well right and I, I i think that um that's that's a uh carbon uh carbon credit trading um exactly. I, I think is, is, is yeah. another thing i think about um where, where i i see a, a different that's a great example and gives me an opportunity to sort of um, lay out a, a different dimension where I think um, blockchains can, can be transformative. Um, uh, so if you think about uh, carbon credit trading regimes, they're territorial, they're limited to, you know, a, a jurisdiction. Um, so, and, and even sub-state jurisdictions. So California has one, has a carbon credit trading regime. British Columbia has one. Mm -hmm. um, they, uh, they wanted to interoperate um, and so they were working on trying to work out, out an agreement um, so that, you know, a company in um, California could trade credits with a company in British Columbia. So as that, as you grow the network effect, um, the value of the credits, the value of the regime, the value of participation grows. Um, but if you think about what it takes to make, um, you know, it possible for, for any company to trade credits with anyone, um, it requires this massive web of international agreements and international administration um, and then if you think about something like a blockchain network, you think, well, you, you don't need that because it's not territorial. Um, you, what, what, what you have in space. Now we're back in space again. It's not territorial in, 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 in space or, 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 for, or for carbon credit trading. Um, I, I, I think if, if, if you, uh, if you, if, if you have, uh, credits represented as tokens on a blockchain network, um, what you are placing your you know, trust and you essentially have a, a set of rules that are transparent about how these operate, if, if this, then that. Um, and you place your confidence in you know, almost virtual certainty that the rules will execute the, in that way. Um, and I think that allows um, uh, parties to transact with each other uh, without regard to what um, country they're coming from. That's not to say like if it's, if it's you know, mm. the country prohibits that, activity that's that's another matter but it's 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 without those countries having to get together and link up their various regimes and if, if but it does take a market leader it does take a market leader like say in space you, 
you need a market leader who will only do business with another firm that agrees to abide by the rules that it sets. And hopefully it's one that says this is good for everybody. It's good for space. Less space debris means less things falling down to earth, means, uh, means more space in our orbit so that you know, satellites that are working aren't damaged or hit by other satellites that are no longer working or is garbage. Um, I mean, it's a good thing that we have less garbage in our orbit as well. So does it take a market leader uh, to I, serve I, in I, that function? I absolutely agree. And I, I, I don't see, um, you know, uh, this, this technology as, as a sort of magic bullet. I, th I, I think of it as another governance technology, a new governance technology. So in our toolbox, we have, we have treaties, we have sort of traditional legal contracts, and I think we will, we will have or soon have um, a viable, a, 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 new, a new tool um, that will have, you know, a different set of trade-offs. Um, but that, that when, particularly if you think about um, this, this international space uh, where there's no, there's no territorial sovereign at all, which is, which, which is a vacuum in some respects, sometimes it's easier. If you think about, you know, who sets the traditional rules of the road, like literally what side of the road do you drive on? Well, it's easy because there's always a sovereign and that's, that's literally the definition of sovereignty within your borders. You, you make the rules, um, not a thing in space. Um, and so then, so, so, so then what? Um, so, so it, it's, it's a new medium for, um, uh, for operators to uh, make rules that they think would, um, you know, best facilitate their, their long-term interests. Now, another, um, uh, sort of um, downside or sort of sort of weakness in that is these regimes I envision are based on sort of voluntary contracting. They're, they're based on um, a critical mass of operators perceiving their interests as better served um, inside this regime and sort of voluntarily contracting in to make themselves bound by it. Um, uh, but without that, uh, it's it's not very efficacious. Well, it, I think it boils down back. Uh, to the people on earth. How do we want our companies to reflect our values? We're seeing that with ESG. We're seeing that with uh, sustainability goals. Uh, increasingly, activist investors are also taking on the hat of people like you and me who uh, decide to vote with their dollars and their investments and or their crypto. Uh, but essentially demand uh, uh, social responsibility uh, from their firms. I think it really boils back down to, to us here on earth and, and, and how we want to set the rules of the game. And, and certainly blockchain can enforce that investor agreement that I potentially could sign in the future. I think that's right. And, and we're seeing this phenomenon play out even with um, space junk, for to use the precise term of art, um, uh, that there's an initiative called um, the Space Sustainability Rating, uh, which is based on the the, the lead certification uh, in the in the building sector for energy efficiency, um, and uh, satellite operators will be able to voluntarily submit their operations to be evaluated and get a rating, um, and uh, this is a thing. Uh, because these uh, these operators care about having that rating and they care about having that rating because um, the stakeholders care about the sustainability of their operations. You, you, you brought up another point that is, um, uh, uh, I, I think, central to uh, my my interest in 
um, sort of the, the, the long-term potential of, of smart contracts and, so, and some of what we did, um, some of the research we did at Consensus Space. Um, and, and that is, you know, what can we as individuals, how can we um, effectuate our values? We can, we can vote with our dollars. Um, do, 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 does blockchain allow us a new and better way of, of uh, you know, voting with uh, our, our dollars? Um, and, and one of the, the, the sort of theoretical uh, potentials that's uh, exciting to me, although I, I think just that probably theoretical, um, is this idea that um, you know, blockchains would allow um, people around the world united by um, you know, a common concern or goal, whether that is climate change mitigation, whether that is um, doing you know, inspiring things in space. Um, to pool their resources, to find each other, to organize, uh, to, to put in what are relatively small chunks of money individually, but in aggregate when you have a truly global um, sort of, you know, uh, pool of contributors, um, what, what you get is a, a pot of money that, that is more on the scale of what a government would, would field. Um, and that was something that, you know, the, the founding, um, vision of consensus space was to build a global citizen uh, space-led uh, space program. Uh, a space, space program like a, a NASA or a European Space Agency or, 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 or JAXA. Um, but unlike those national um, organizations that are accountable to, um, well, you know, they're sort of controlled by um, the governments and, and their, their appropriators, um, this would be controlled by a global community of token holders um, mm. who would Put in relatively small amounts of money uh, for, for for tokens and control this uh, control these space missions, um, and so in, in the course of, of validating that, we we did a lot of um, uh, interviews with uh, space enthusiasts around the world, trying oh. to uh, interrogate sort of the, the two premises of this this vision of um, blockchain and and, and DAOs, um, and you know one of those uh, is that. Um, the, the, the trust, the sort of the, the trust advantage relative to sort of just giving money to a nonprofit, to an NGO, doing the same thing, yeah. um, would, would lead people to uh, be more willing to give. The other was that the, the ability to participate in decision-making beyond just sort of, here's my money, um, mm. uh, might be, uh, might be an in inducement. Uh, to, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that... Um, you know, a great, you know, swath of Earth's population, at least the folks we talked to, um, that those are, those are felt needs. Uh, it's, it's a, but it, but it's, it's also hard to tell, um, you know, when, when, you're, when you're presenting something that doesn't exist and nothing like it really exists. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very hard to do sort of user research for something that is a, a paradigm shift. It's a fascinating idea. You've just literally described the function of NASA, but instead of uh, government dollars, uh, where the government is the governance, the governance part yeah. of it. Um, you know, what if we removed the sovereign and it is NASA is a taxpayer funded organization. Uh, but what if there was, you know, a, a non-sovereign publicly funded space organization? That's very interesting. Um, and that is the stuff of real science fiction that's happening in real time right now. Uh, Brian Israel, it was a pleasure just to kind of think about all of these things and the potential, um, but also the reality of what's happening, uh, not only on Earth, but 
just uh, <laughs> just looking up skyward uh, into space um, for us. So that that was really fascinating. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks, it's my pleasure. And thank you everyone for joining us on this latest episode of Word on the Block. I'm Forecast News Editor-in-Chief Angie Lau. Until the next time. Oh, 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 oh,